Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Oh, hello. Hey, good morning, Vineyard Westside. How are you? Oh, one person's good. Well, we got to start somewhere. Hey, thanks for being here. We're going to invite our ushers to come forward so we can do an offering together. Uh, if you would pray with me for that, that'd be lovely. God, thank you for this place that we get to come together and experience uh, the power of with of being with, with other people, with other believers, with brothers and sisters in Christ. God, thank you for this place. We just give you this time. We pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would give us new insight, understanding, and uh, we give you this offering and just, we, we want to partner with you. We pray that you would give us new ideas, um, new ways to reach people, that we'd be willing to to go as far as we need to, anything short of sin, to be able to reach people for you, Jesus. We say, come Holy Spirit. Thank you for blessing us the way that you have. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, hey, there's uh, quite a few different things in your program. Um, hopefully you guys get a chance to take a look through there. Lots of different opportunities to serve. Today, what we're going to talk about a bit, um, I would like to start uh, just a short series. Uh, do we have a, a slide up there for uh, what we're calling this thing? Do we have that up there? I don't know. Emotions! Emotions. And we've talked about emotions uh, quite a bit in different ways, but what I've noticed is that there's more than one emotion. Uh, and these emotions can get us into serious trouble a lot of times, can't they? Yes. Uh, for some of us, like, is, is, is emotional a good word or a bad word? Yes. Yes. It's both. What I want to talk about today is experiencing the emotions of anxiety and how we can find relief from that anxiety. I believe that everybody in this room uh, gets anxious to a certain point over various things. You might get anxious over uh, small things. Maybe you're a person that struggles with anxiety and so it's a lot of different things that can that can bring it about for you maybe it's only in rare circumstances you know you might be a person who knows Jesus you know him you've given your life to him you follow him you love him and yet you're still overwhelmed with feelings of anxiety sometimes and you might be in that place of going, well, I thought that I was saved. Why am I, why am I feeling this? I thought that Jesus was supposed to give me peace. I must be doing something wrong. Anybody 
Any examples of what gives you anxiety, what brings anxious thoughts? Yeah. You lost your cell phone yesterday. That can do it. My family, we went on vacation uh, just a couple weeks ago, and we did not have cell phone service for seven days straight. I was freaking out for like the first three. I was like going to the top of mountainous areas with my phone, like, oh my, I just got, what if, what if this, what if there, nobody's trying to get a hold of me. And after a few days, it was just like, oh, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. What else? What gives you anxiety? Yeah. Well, I would call it anxiety. Well, then not you. Yeah. And, and health issues, that's a huge one of uh, health that is, maybe your health is already failing, maybe you're worried about what could happen, maybe you're worried about uh, what could happen to other people in your family, maybe you're, you're married to somebody that you're worried about, about what's going to happen with them, what's going to happen with your kids. Um, all sorts of things. Your workload, that could bring you anxiety. Um, your financial situation can bring anxiety, where you start to feel panic over certain things. I'm one of the people who experiences um, being anxious uh, or anxiety over uh, kind of a mix of anything. Um, about a year and a half ago, I quit chewing tobacco. I had uh, dipped tobacco for about 15 or, I don't know, 15 years or so. Uh, I was going through two cans per day of Grizzly Wintergreen. If anybody knows about dipping, Grizzly Wintergreen is the, Grizzly Wintergreen is the turbo. That's the strong one. That is the super nicotine. And I, knew that I was addicted to it, what I did not know was that it was acting as honestly pretty incredibly good anxiety medicine. And so any situation that I went into that was an anxious situation where maybe I'm going into a meeting with someone, even if I'm, I'm you know, somebody calls on the phone and this might be a long conversation or I'm not quite sure what to say to this person, which would happen to me quite a bit. You guys would call, and a lot of times, when, when people call the pastor, it's almost never to say, I got some good news. <laughs> like, it's, oh my gosh, things are so bad right now. And so, in any of those situations, I would put tobacco into my mouth right before walking into the meeting. I spoke here from, at church many, many, many times with tobacco in my mouth. So I, oh yeah, I, I was to the point where I'd never spit, ever. It was gross. Fall asleep with it in my mouth. Wake up with it in your hair. Just gross. But after I quit that chewing tobacco, anxiety issues skyrocketed. 
I ended up having to go to the hospital. Uh, I went over to Good Sam at one point. One, one morning, I was up all night. It was about 4 or 5 a.m., and I felt like I was having a heart attack, and it just wouldn't stop. And my heart was racing, and I was having chest pains, and I was just freaking out. I went to the hospital, and I just couldn't believe it. I'm like, something is certainly wrong. And they're like, uh, yeah, you got um, nothing. You have anxiety going on. You're having an anxiety attack. You're having something of a panic attack. You're going to be okay. 2020, though, was the, the worst year ever. It was the longest year ever, wasn't it? 2020? Longest year ever? It's 2023, and we're still experiencing uh, kind of the, the effects of 2020, the wounds of 2020. Some of us thought that we were fine through it. We were like, hey, this ain't bad. I'm just hanging out at home. I'm eating snacks. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Like... And little did we know, just more and more of it was coming in. And so many people I know have, honestly, they've changed in a certain way since 2020. That year we had this mysterious new virus show up that we were introduced to and had to figure our way through in a way that none of us really had ever experienced before. A pandemic where not only that, along with it are wildfires all over the place. The entire world shuts down as far as travel goes, as far as even going to restaurants. I'm somebody who uh, is a night owl, and I'm still upset about all of the stores. Nobody's open late now. Have you noticed that? Like, everything closes at 10. I have severe ADHD. I remember at like 10, 15 p.m. I had to go to the grocery store. Nothing's open. Come on, bring back the open the late store. Man. But in 2020, all, all of us had our routines disrupted, and there were massive economic fears going on. The racial tensions that exploded due to George Floyd and other just, just crazy experiences going on. Political division like we've never seen it before. Um, any news that you watched from anywhere, suddenly it was like teams like they had different news. It was biased no matter what you looked at. And people were just freaked out. Conspiracy theories all over the place. Flat earthers skyrocketed. And a lot of people were just afraid or lonely or uncertain. I've heard a lot of you talk about your parents, your older parents who haven't been the same since the pandemic that they became afraid to go out, that they became uncertain, lonely, not seeing anyone, nobody stopping by. You know, my grandma was in an assisted living place. She's at the Little Sisters of the Poor. It's a great name. Down in Clifton, and we weren't able to see her for months and months and months, and it's the only thing that she really needed. According to uh, the National Center for Health, it said in July of 2019 that it was approximately 8.2% of adults struggled with um, anxiety disorder, 8.2%. In July of 2020, 
It said 36% of adults were now suffering with anxiety disorder. It was quite a jump. What am I feeding back? Here we go. Can I move this down? The fan? Anxiety manifests itself in different ways. I begin to sweat, and then I can't stop sweating, and then I start thinking about the fact that I'm sweating more than other people are sweating, and then it starts running, and then my heart rate is, I got, a, I got an Apple Watch a while back, and I'm able to see some of it now, and I'm like, oh my God, and then when I'm looking at it, it's... This anxiety thing is kind of complicated because it's a physiological thing, but it's an emotional thing. It's also a situational thing. It's also a spiritual thing. And it can be treated in a whole bunch of different ways. That it can be holistic. You can treat anxiety with your diet. You can treat anxiety with supplements. You can treat anxiety, but you can go to the doctor and you can get a prescription for certain things. I've been... I'm going to have to just turn this off, I think, yeah? Yes. I've been on anxiety medicines uh, for the last, I was on them for about a year and a half, and I've just gone through a, a many months-long process of weaning off and getting completely off of any type of anxiety medicine. Uh, some of those, and I'll just say right now, some of you in this room, uh, if you're on Klonopin, it's a problem. If you're on um, you know, any kind of Xanax, it's a problem. Those things are problematic. And I'm thankful for the doctors I had because we, we never went into those. I do hear that they're effective, but they turn you into a zombie and you become dependent on them. And I didn't want to trade one bad thing in for another. Anxiety can be treated with counseling. It can be treated with so many different things. One of the things that immediately takes anxiety away from me is to take my shoes off and to stand on the coldest surface I can find. And so if it's winter time out, go outside on the concrete. If it's in the, in the middle of the summer, I find the, the tile floor and go and put my bare feet on it and heart rate starts coming down. It's just a trick. It's a, it's a tool that I learned. But if you're a Christian, if you're someone who is spiritual and you're feeling anxious, the, the common thing is to feel like you failed God somehow. That you're not, you're not a strong enough believer that you don't have enough faith that you're doing something wrong. Is it a sin to be anxious? Is it a sin to have anxiety? No. But even though it's not a sin, it's kind of like anger, that it's not a sin to have anger, but it's, that, it's one of those things that can easily lead to sin. It can easily lead to sin. It's not sin itself, but it can lead to it. Um, what might surprise you, what I want to talk about today, it, is that Jesus had anxiety. That Jesus had anxiety. 
Yes, back there. take any tools I can get. I'll pretend you're on the squatty potty. Thank you. You do in emergency rooms to, to slow down heart rates and what is it called? Grunion? What is it? Oh, vagal. Yes, that's a different thing. Yes. What is vagal? I might have to try that. I didn't put that in my notes. <laughs> like, next time I'm going to have a fourth, a fourth point, a fourth method. Jesus surprisingly had anxiety and we're going to look at the way that Jesus responded to overwhelming anxiety the thing that Jesus did is he started talking Jesus started talking uh, when anxiety rose up Jesus talked back some of you you know for me I, it sounds silly but I didn't know what what anxiety was for years I just didn't know what it was I I thought I didn't have it <laughs> And so if you're one of those people who think, well, maybe I don't, it's, it's just when you start worrying and you can't stop and it just keeps going and you think about things and you're, you're making up stories in your head. What's the story that you're making up in your head? Is it, you know, it could be true, but most of the time it isn't. Most of the time it's things like, I, I hope that they don't think this about me. I don't want um, my, I don't want to be a failure I don't want to look weak. I don't want to seem stupid. I don't want to dot, dot, dot. How do you find relief from anxiety? Jesus did it by talking. And the first point is this. If you have anxious thoughts, if you're experiencing anxiety, you got to talk to your friends. You have to talk to your friends. Um, recently, I was experiencing anxiety and I have to spill my guts to my buddy Josh at the gym and I don't get very much lifting done but I have to talk to my friend I'm having anxiety and so one of the things that I've done better at recently is I put together a meeting with a couple of my friends and sat down and we talked for two hours about okay what is going on with you what are you struggling with? What is giving you this anxiety? In the story we're going into for some context, this is right after the Last Supper with Jesus' life group, basically. His group of guys, his disciples, his friends. Right after that Last Supper, um, one of his close friends, Judas, slips out to go ahead and betray Jesus. Jesus knows about what's going to happen already. I'm sure he has to be experiencing 
anxiety over this. He already knows about what's going to happen to his friend at the end of this thing. But he has three buddies. He has three friends. And these three friends end up being the guards of Gethsemane. They pray in peace for him. One of the things that Jesus' friends do is they run blocker. They run blocker. It says in Mark chapter 14, they went to a place called Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. Sit here while I pray. It says he took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. He began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Have you ever had that feeling of, I, I just, you feel anxious about, you're not even sure, you can't put your finger on it yet, and you finally start to spill your guts out to somebody, and it just all comes to the surface? You're kind of like, oh my gosh, it was worse than I thought. I had a lot more going on inside me than I thought. Jesus can't get away from people at this time. He's performing miracles, and so there are crowds who are, who are closing in on him at all times, and he can't get a breath. He's experiencing this anxiety and says, guys, I need you to come around me. I need you three to come, and I, I need you to pray with me, and I need you to run blocker. I need you to stop these other things that are trying to come in that are adding to it. It says that he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. One version of the, the message remix, the message um, paraphrase of the Bible says that he plunged into a sinkhole of dreadful agony. Another version of the message says that uh, he sank into a pit of suffocating darkness. This is Jesus. And it was because he was going to be experiencing what he knew was coming for him, that he was going to be arrested, that he was going to be tortured, that he was going to die from crucifixion, the most painful and humiliating way to possibly die. Even worse, he didn't deserve it. He never sinned once, not ever, but he had to become sin. His own father, who is his back and forth constant connection, his father had to turn his face away from him. And so just knowing that this was coming, and Jesus, to his friends, he brings honesty. He brings honesty to them. They say, hey, Jesus, how are you? Does he say, fine? No. How many of you have said fine when you are so, so far from fine? Fine. Or you say, and you say fine in a lot of different ways. I'm fine. Fine, I guess. Jesus doesn't say he's fine. Some of you, if somebody says, well, how are you doing? You say, well, I don't want to complain. I, I, I know a lot of people. Anytime somebody says, I know a lot of other people have it worse. Shut up. Don't say that ever again. I know a lot of other people have it worse than me. Uh, yeah, they do. And a lot of other people have it better than you. And every one of us has been wired in a certain way that we are supposed to dig into this stuff and through it and seek help from people. What Jesus does is they say, hey, Jesus, how are you, how are you doing? Actually, he says, honestly, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. 
He said, stay here and keep watch. Stay here and keep watch. Jesus very well may be having a panic attack in this moment. I need you guys with me. I'm hyperventilating here. And he, he begins to spill his guts to his friends. He tells his friends how he's feeling. He says, I, I just, I need you guys right now. I can't do this by myself. One of the biggest reasons that some of you feel anxious often, that some of you experience anxiety is because you lack community. Because you don't have somebody that you can talk to. Because your life is filled with people who say, how are you doing? And you say, I'm fine. When you're not fine at all. The Bible says it's not good for man to be alone. Right away in Genesis. They get it figured out immediately. It's not good for the man to be alone. Jesus himself, God himself was not alone. It was him with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit together. We have a triune God, a God of community, a God who immediately, you know, if you're a person who says, I just need to pick myself up by my bootstraps, I just need to uh, get it together, you know, I need to, if you're trying to do it on your own, immediately, you're doing it in a way that God says, that's never going to work. It's never, ever going to work. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. You know, one thing I've seen is a lot of people who are gone from church for a long time and they come back here for the first time. They show up and they've been gone. They, they cry a lot of times during worship. They cry a lot of times during worship. And it, I think it's just because that feeling of I have missed this. I have missed these people. I have missed being able to do this. It's that power of with. You're with people. You're with other people who are doing the same stuff as you. It's not just you. You're not alone. He says, guys, my soul is overwhelmed. I feel like this could kill me. Will you guys pray with me, please? Jesus, the first thing he does when he's anxious, he talks to his friends. The second thing Jesus does that we have to do is we have to talk to our Father. You have to talk to your Father. You have to. That anxiety is a signal that's alerting you that it's time to pray. If you're experiencing anxiety, it's a signal that alerts you that it's time to pray. It's, it's time to talk to your Father in heaven. It's time to surrender these thoughts. It's time to be honest with Him. Jesus can handle anything you throw at him. He's been through every part of it. If you're ever thinking, well, you wouldn't understand. It's just not true. It's like a check engine light coming on on your car. How many of you are the person that the check engine light comes off and all you're trying to figure out is, how do I get this light to go off? How do I get this light to go? I've tried this before. How do I get this light to go off? There's got to be some kind of a, an override. Yes, I got, the, I got the light to go off, the check engine light. Yeah, but did you, I don't know, see what was wrong? The light isn't the problem. The check engine light isn't the problem. The check engine light is a signal that you need to dig into a problem, that maybe you need to take it to a mechanic. Maybe you need to, maybe you need to seek help. Anxiety is that signal that alerts you that it's time to pray. 
The Apostle Paul, he wrote, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, pray. If it's something that's big enough for you to worry about, it's something that's big enough for you to pray about. How many of you worry like crazy and it's your last thought ever to pray? It's your last thought ever to pray. Uh, my youngest daughter, Claire, she has anxiety and I hate it for her. Thankfully, I'm able to share certain tools and things with her and we can work through it. And whatever she's got going on where she feels like um, that you wouldn't understand, I'm like, I, under I get it, I get it. How, how crazy you feeling, let's talk. And one of the things that she is struggling with is going to sleep. She cannot sleep at night. She's awake all night sometimes and uh, she's gotta have something on, a TV's gotta be on. Uh, lights have to be on this and what it comes down to is that there's some type of anxiety going to sleep that when it's dark that you see shadows sometimes that there could be something out there that you're sometimes you're just stuck alone with your thoughts some of us can't stand it right some of you drink enough to where you get knocked out at the end of the night so you don't ever have to think about those thoughts. And this anxiety can come in. And what we did is we said, you know what we gotta do? I mean, I don't know, I don't know how to help. I don't know how to help. I mean, I've ordered melatonin gummies. <laughs> I've done that. I've, we've tried different, I'm, and I'm like, it's almost embarrassing. I'm like, you know what we need to do? We gotta pray. We have to pray. And so just the other day, we walked around a room. We said, we're going to pray over your room. And so we walked around and we said, Jesus, we invite you to fill this space that you would bring peace, that you would bring joy, that you would make this place dangerous to the enemy, that the enemy wouldn't be welcome here. We pray that this would be an anxiety-free zone. We pray that um, she would be able to get sleep, rest like she's never had before. And we just pray over the room. She did sleep. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. If you're worried about your marriage, you got to be praying about your marriage. You can't be going, I don't know, I'm trying everything, when secretly you're trying nothing. How many of you is, I've tried nothing and I'm all out of ideas. Man, pray. If it's on your mind... If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. If it's on your mind, it's on God's heart. He knows about the thing before you ever told him about it, but man, as a dad, I sure love, even though I know my kids are struggling with something, I love when they come to me and want to talk about it and see if I can help somehow. Mark 14, it says, going a little further, Jesus fell to the ground and prayed. And he said this to his father, if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Some of us know the mission. We know what we've been set out to do. We know what we're supposed to do. You're supposed to be the breadwinner. You're supposed to be um, the, the, the good mom. 
You're supposed to be uh, the star at work. You're supposed to be the scholar. You're supposed to be certain things. And uh, some of us say, well, you just, I don't want to do it, though. I don't want to do it. Or you know you have something come up you don't want to do, and you say, God, will you just, Jesus said, will you take this cup from me? I know it's the mission. I know that it's to save humanity even. I'm just struggling to do it. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. And he's just honest about it. And it wasn't a safe prayer that he prayed at all to say, God, would you take, take my purpose away? Because my purpose is painful. Because my purpose is scary. Would you take this away from me, please? I, I, can't, I can't handle it. I don't think I'm going to be... It wasn't a scripted prayer. It wasn't a safe prayer. How many of you know that prayer? Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Whose idea was this for like five-year-olds? That is a scary prayer to a five-year-old. Jesus doesn't just recite words. This is a crying out from like the depth of his soul. God loves you, and he's inviting you to cry out to him. His chest is strong enough for you to pound on it if you're angry with him. If you want to scream at him and say, why did you let this happen? How could you do this to me? Where were you when this happened? His chest is strong enough for you to beat on. And he's going to be that dad that stands there and just grabs a hold of you and embraces you and lets you cry. And lets you cry into his chest. Was cast your cares on him because he cares for you. If it's on your mind, it's already on his heart. And so Jesus talks to his friends, and then Jesus talks to his father. The third thing that Jesus does that we are given the same opportunity to do, the one that is super important as well, the one that we can take control of, and we can actually do something about what we're feeling. Number three, talk to your feelings. Talk to your feelings. You are not your feelings. You are not your feelings. If you feel like a failure, that's a feeling. What you'll come to find out, the actual truth is, failure is always an event, it's never a person. Maybe you had an event that failed, but failure isn't ever a person, it's always an event. You have to talk to your feelings. Feelings are real, but that doesn't mean they're true. Right? It's always weird when you get the argument, don't tell me how to feel. Any of you ever say that? You got somebody that's like, well, don't feel that. Don't tell me how to feel. I'm feeling what I'm feeling. Well, your feeling might be real, but it also might not be true. And so you have to talk to your feelings. You have to Take control of your feelings. Your feelings don't get to lead you. You get to lead them. You can say to your feelings, you're not the boss of me. Feelings don't necessarily reflect reality, right? Sometimes you're worried about a thing that's never going to happen, and it just, statistic. it's never going to happen. And friends and family around you will say that thing is never going to happen. But you have that feeling, and your feelings are wrong. 
And so what you do is you talk to your feelings about your faith. You talk to your feelings about your faith. What are you feeling? And then what is the truth about that thing? You talk to your feelings about what Jesus did. Mark 14, 36 says, Abba, Father, everything's possible for you. Would you take this cup from me? And then he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. Not what I want, what you want. He's still understanding that. Not, not, not just the way I'm feeling right now, but God, that you would step in and speak the truth over my feelings. Jesus doesn't feel like going to the cross. And yet he says, but not as I will, as you will. You speak the truth to your feelings. And then you align your feelings with your faith. If you feel like God doesn't love you, well, the truth is what you can find in the word and scripture, which I believe is the holy truth of God. This is the written word of God that sometimes I don't understand it. I don't get how it works. The math doesn't work out. I'm not sure how, you know, uh, there's weird stuff. Unicorns are mentioned in the Bible and I didn't get it forever. And then I found out that the scientific name for a rhinoceros is unicornus something something. And I'm like, oh. And the ones that have two horns are called bicornus something something. But some of the things I don't get, I don't understand how they work, but I choose to believe that this is the truth. And the truth says he loves you, that he loves you. That God so loved you that he gave his one and only son and that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Life to the full. Life to the full, everlasting life. That's life without anxiety. That's life without being worried, being nervous all the time. If you feel like you're alone, you have the feeling of, it's just me, I'm always going to be alone, um, I'm a lone wolf now, nobody's around to help. If you feel like you're alone, the truth in the word says that he's never going to leave you, he's never going to forsake you, that even when you're by yourself, you still roll four deep, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit is on you. You're never alone. If you feel worried about money, God says that he's going to supply all of your needs to you. We've been in and out of that place many, many times over the years. You start getting anxious about money, you start getting crazy, right? You start getting in arguments, you start making rash decisions, you start, you start feeling like it's all caving in on you. The truth is, God says, I'm going to supply all of your needs, and I'm also even going to give you some of your wants. If you feel like a victim, I, feel like, I felt like a victim growing up forever and ever, that why did this bad thing, so many bad things happen to me one after another, and if I just had this opportunity, I could have done this. Am I a victim? No, the word of God, what it says, the truth is that I am more than an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not a victim that I'm victorious in Christ, that I've already won. What does Jesus do with anxiety? He talks to his friends, that he talks to his father, and then he talks to his feelings, and it works. He stumbled into the garden completely overwhelmed with 
soul-crushing anxiety. The soldiers come to arrest him. He faces these unjust trials, unspeakable torture, and excruciating pain, and then he experiences the shame of death on a cross. And yet, in that place, hanging there, with nails through his hands and his feet, he's strong. He's strong, he's courageous, he's determined, he's unshakable. He says, no one takes my life from me, I give it up when I want to. This is me making this decision, this is, this is my choice. I don't have anything to worry about because I'm in the driver's seat. He asks his father to forgive the people who are doing it to him. But God, they don't know what they're doing. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. I give myself over to you. I trust you completely. Because he was able to calm himself down because he talked to his friends, he talked to his father, and he talked to his feelings. And so we can do what Jesus did. It says in Philippians chapter 4, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition. Prayer and petition. Petition to me is just saying, God, I'm not going to let up on this prayer until you do something. I'm going to keep going. Not just pray it once and go, well, I tried that. No, I mean, keep, God, I need you to come and take this away. God, I need you to bring peace God, I need you to make me strong and courageous. God, make me dangerous to the enemy that he has no foothold over me. God, make him run from me. God, let me know the truth about who I am and not make up stories in my head and believe the devil about who I am. It says, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, Present your request to God. God, thank you for the things that you've already brought me through. I think you're going to bring me through this too. Please do it fast. It says, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. This is not the peace that this world can offer. A lot of us think that we have peace when we get the financial stuff, like I'm not worried about money anymore, I'm not living paycheck to paycheck, I have a, a, I have a, a buffer, a cushion, we have six months of expenses, blah, blah, blah. Do you have peace then? Anyone I know that has that stuff does not have peace, because it doesn't bring peace. God brings a peace that is not of this world. It's a thing that the world can't give you, and also... The world can't take it away. There's no storm that God can't bring you through. There's no obstacle that he can't help you to overcome. No enemy that he won't defeat for you. And there's no heartache that God doesn't understand and won't heal. When I say Jesus in this room... When you say Jesus in your house, when you say Jesus, the name of Jesus in your car, at work, at school, when you say the name, the very mention of his name, it scatters the darkness. It says that those, those demons, when they hear his name, they shudder and they run. That you have something scary going on. I'll admit it, I'm 40 years old. I was afraid of the dark up until I was about 28. 
going out to the car late at night, and you're like, I'm, what a, I'm a man, I'm fine, I'm walking all confident, and then you do the, <laughs> going up into the attic, and you're scared of the dark, uh, because what could, something could be that, what, man, the name of Jesus, the very mention of it scatters the darkness, and so going into those situations now, I say, by the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus, I command you to leave this place in Jesus' name. You have no place here. You're not welcome here. He died for me. I'm on his team. You have to listen to what he says, and I have authority that's been given to me, and so I command you to leave in Jesus' name. Thank you for this space of peace. And so, what's cool? No, I'll take a clap. Come on. What's really cool, though... Man, I'm not scared of the dark anymore. Because the dark's scared of me. I'm not afraid of the dark. The dark's afraid of me. And it calms my soul down. When I say Jesus, even a whisper, it's able to break through my doubts until my fear's gone from me. And so today is uh, today's about that for you. I think that I think that all of us have anxious thoughts, and I think that they don't have anything to do with that life to the full that I'm chasing, that everlasting life. And so maybe different parts of this were for you. For some of you, you need to talk to friends. For some of you, you need to find friends. Show up on Monday night to the community dinner. Show up to the recovery group. Sign up to host a life group. You don't have to know what you're doing at all. I don't. I host one. We can help you. We can give you materials. And all of a sudden, you can end up getting friends that you never expected to, that you never would have thought you'd have been friends with. And then all of a sudden, it's 15 or 20 years later. And these are the people that you call at 3 o'clock in the morning when it all goes wrong. Some of you need to talk to your friends about what's really going on and say, this is, I, I'm struggling with this. I am always worried about this. I'm making up stories in my head about this. I feel like this. I feel like you think this about me. Just spill it. Some of you need to talk to your father. You got to say, God, I need you to move. I need you to do something. If it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. I know way too many people who won't pray because they think other people have it worse than them. You're doing it wrong. For some of you, you need to talk to your feelings. You need to talk to your feelings and you need to say, is that, is that true? Is that really true? Is that really what God says about me? And you need to compare your faith to your feelings. Let's pray. God, I thank you for uh, just a better way. I thank you that there's nothing that any of us have ever gone through that you haven't. That you're not a God who doesn't get it. You get it more than we can even understand. And so, God, we want to experience that peace that surpasses all understanding. We want to be people who are not victims. We want to be people who are not susceptible to the lies of the enemy. We want to be people who aren't afraid of the dark. We want to be victorious because that's the truth of who we are. So we just say, come Holy Spirit, 
I pray that you would uh, work and do a work in our heart, in our minds. That we would take those thoughts captive, those things that come in, if things are starting to play and replay, any of those intrusive thoughts that are coming in, that we would know uh, those, those feelings are real, but it doesn't mean that they're true. And that we would speak the truth over them. So Jesus, we invite you. We invite you to come and take hold of us. We invite you to teach us about our authority, who we are in Christ, and that we get to be in the driver's seat. We ask that your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Next week, hey, next week, we're going to talk about the anger of Jesus. The anger of Jesus and how we're going to get ourselves some of that. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.